Hi, my name is Dave Pavey. I am part of Corsa Coast Vineyard up on the north coast of Northern Ireland. And it is my pleasure and my delight to help lead our 5 to 11s up there on the Causeway Coast. You are watching this for one of two reasons. Either it's because you love kids and you're involved in kids ministry in your church, or because nobody else wanted to do it and you've been left with it and you're trying to figure out what on earth do I do? If that's you, I know exactly how you feel. That was me 15 years ago. So I want to try and help you understand how do we grow our kids ministry. You might be sitting there watching this and you have five kids in your church or you might have 50 or 500. But how do we grow our kids ministry? So to start with, it's easy, all too easy to fall into the trap of thinking this. I don't have enough good ideas or I don't have enough resources. I'm rubbish at the guitar. I can't do puppets. I don't have enough support. A pastor doesn't even know who I am. Or maybe you don't have enough team, like the rest of us in kids' ministry. And that's okay. All of those things are great to have. And if your goal is to have a slick, well-presented kids' ministry that's attractive to the masses, you will need all of those things. But if your goal is to reach and raise up a generation of little disciples that love Jesus more and they care about what other people think, then that's more straightforward. Straightforward, however, doesn't necessarily mean it's easier. So I want to give you a context of, of where I'm coming from. When I took over our, our kids' ministry up on the north coast of Ireland, we had about 20 kids. I had no idea what I was doing. But over, the, over these last number of years, I've figured out, and the Holy Spirit has taught me a lot of things, and I've relaxed a lot. And so I want to share some of these things with you that have helped me take a, a kids ministry of 20 kids on a Sunday to now we see around four to 500 kids coming through our doors each month. And honestly, it's not really because of me. So here we go then. Number one, most importantly, grow yourself. These little people deserve you to be the best you. Walk closely with Jesus. Grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit by practicing love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, all of those things. Be a Jesus tree that grows Jesus fruit. And you only do that by walking closely with Jesus. You may not be aware of it, but the children in your ministry, the children that see you, whether it's at home, as a parent, if you're a parent, or whether it's in church, they see you as a model. Claudia Schiffer, if you are a lady. Brad Pitt, if you are a man. They will see and they will watch what you do and they will take note of it and they will often copy what you do. So you are a supermodel. Aspire to be someone who these kids will say, when I grow up, I want to be like them. I want to be like you. Next, ask Jesus to help you see every child, not just the compliant ones or the cute ones, but ask him to show you the way he sees them as God's masterpieces, made in his image, full of world-changing potential, entrusted with the kingdom of heaven. Next one, fashions and fads come and go. 
but there's a lot about childhood that hasn't changed since you were there. Remember what it was like to be a six-year-old or a ten-year-old. The things that impacted your life back then, for good or for bad, are still impacting your life now. Remember that the things that you do with these six-year-olds, with these ten-year-olds, they're going to impact them and affect them for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 or 60 years to come. The words that you speak over them, the actions that you show towards them, the life that you share with them. You have a PhD in childhood studies. You may not know it, but you spent around 12 years studying it up close. Don't forget it. If you're getting bored, by what you're doing, by what you've planned, or the talk that you're giving. You've got to know that the kids arrived at board a long time ago. Change it up. Remember what it was like to be their age. Next point. Know when to be the biggest kid in the room. If your kids are like mine, and I, I figured out the kids are the same wherever you go. Whatever country you go to, they seem to be pretty much similar. You're always going to have the kids that want to bounce off the walls. You're always going to have the quiet, compliant ones who will sit still and listen to you. And then everyone in between. When you know when to be the biggest kid in the room, you will win and earn their respect. So that when it comes to the time where you need their attention, they'll give it to you. Similarly, next point, know when to be the grown-up. Know when to be the adult with the authority in the room. If someone is continually kicking off, and you've done all you can to, to earn their attention, address their behavior. Tell them they don't need to do what they do to win your love and attention. Don't be afraid to call a parent. Discipline is their job, not yours. Okay, next one, grow them. Be intentional about growing the kids that come to your ministry. Aim high, don't patronize them. If you're teaching six-year-olds, Aim like they're nine-year-olds. Kids love it when you treat them with respect and when you aim a little higher. Most kids I've come across don't really like being treated like children. A 10-year-old loves to be treated like a youth. A youth loves to be treated like an 18-year-old. Treat them with respect. Another way you grow your kids, which will grow your kids' ministry, is to involve them. Figure out ways in which they can serve in your ministry. It may be that your 10-year-olds will be great at serving with your four-year-olds. It may be that some of the kids who get bored really quickly actually have that Romans 12 gift of serving. And they're bored because they're not being given any responsibility. And you need to figure out how to do that. Here's another th reason why we need to train our kids how to serve. Imagine 20 years' time. Imagine the next people that are coming through to lead kids' ministry. What if they weren't struggling to fill rotors? Because what happens now has changed what's going to happen in 20 years' time. The kids that are coming through understand that they have a role and a part to play, understand that they fit, that they just don't turn up to consume, but actually they come to a thing called a service and they get to do service. When you're sharing, share what's in your heart. Don't worry so much about your head. Try not to read it off your sheet. When you're giving a talk, make sure it's a talk that really resonates with you. What's Jesus saying to you? 
I'll often ha I have people ask me, what are you teaching your kids? What curriculum are you using? And I simply have to reply, it's kind of what's going on in here. What I share with the kids is what Jesus is kind of sharing with me. What I teach them is what Jesus has been teaching me. Be honest and vulnerable with them. Share your failures as well as your successes. Our kids need to know about failure. They need to know that it's okay to fail. They need permission to fail. Because if we don't fail, we've not tried hard enough. And we need to teach our kids that it's okay to fail, that there is no shame in failing and having a go and failing. So those points are mostly about who we are as leaders. But what about raising this generation to be disciples who are passionate about Jesus, who love Jesus more than they care about what other people think? That's my goal, to be honest with you. My heart is, Lord, I want to love you more than I care about what people think about me. For years, we've thought of discipleship as a set of activities that we teach people to do. We teach them how to pray. We teach them how to read their Bible. We maybe teach them how to fast. Computers and tablets and phones. Not food yet, they may be too young. We teach them about evangelism and the importance of sharing your faith with your friends. And those things are vitally important. We do need to teach our kids how to pray. We do need to teach them about reading the Bible, the precious word of God. We do need to teach them how to share their faith, but we teach them in the context of four safe walls. And when I read the New Testament, that's not what Jesus did. That's not the model Jesus had of raising disciples. See, for Jesus, content was important, but context was important too. And somehow down the line, church, we have forgotten about context. and We've kept it safe. So what would it look like to put context around our discipleship with our kids? Imagine what it must have been like for those young lads, those young disciples 2,000 years ago. Take James and John. Scholars reckon they were just teenagers, 14, 15, 16 years old. What would it have been like coming home after a day with Jesus? They come home, they sit at their mum's table, and like millions of tables around the world, their mum would have asked them, well, lads, what did you do today? It's a question that I often ask my family when we're sitting down at dinner time. And often the answers from millions of families will be something like this from children. They will say, I don't know. I can't remember. They may grunt at you. They may say the word boring. But one thing I know for sure is that when James and John were asked that same question, the word boring, grunting was nowhere near their hearts or their minds. They would have been like, Mom, you are not going to believe what happened today. We saw this man who was on the floor and he couldn't walk. And when he met Jesus, Jesus just told him to get up. And they would have shared the incredible stories of what it was like to be a disciple 2,000 years ago. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. I want to be someone who raises disciples of Jesus. Not just someone who teaches children about the stories from the Bible. I want to do that. But that's clearly not where Jesus stopped. Jesus went beyond that. In John 14 verse 12, he, he's among the disciples and other people. And he looks at them and he says these words. If you believe in me, that's me, that's you. You believe in Jesus. Hopefully that's why you're watching this. He says, if you believe in me, 
you will get to do the very same things that I have done. And then he goes on and says, and you'll do even greater things than these. To be honest, hand on my heart, if I can do the first part of that verse, I'm in. We'll figure out the second part later on. But if I can have the confidence and the love for other people that pushes me past my fear of failing, my fear of rejection, then that's when I become and walk into discipleship with Jesus. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to raise nice children in nice, comfortable children's ministry rooms. We are called to raise disciples. And when you start to raise disciples, your children's ministry will grow because your children are growing. Almost every week I hear stories, incredible stories, of our kids stepping out and praying for their friends or showing acts of kindness to people in school. And our kids are growing and our kids' ministry is growing. And your kids are exactly the same as my kids. Our kids aren't angels. Our kids are just like yours. Stretch them. Be intentional about growing yourself. And as you grow yourself, you'll grow them too.